Well, hello everyone. Hi everyone, how are you doing? Welcome uh, to our latest podcast episode. It's taken us a little while to get here, but uh, yeah, we made it about only six or seven weeks later. Seriously, it's yeah. been that long? Mm-hmm. Oh, we are so sorry. Yeah, but uh, yeah, we're okay. We're uh, we're coming to you as ever live from Crufts. Um, sorry, I meant Santa Cruz, Bolivia. Yeah, and for those of you who don't know, as I didn't know, uh, Crufts is a dog show. Yes, I thought it was an internationally renowned dog show. Yeah, I have never watched a dog show in my entire life, so... Which really surprises me, given your obsession with dogs. I wouldn't call it an obsession, although we have discussed retirement plans in the terms of dog breeding. Amanda has has unilaterally discussed this, yes. Yes, we're going to be dog breeders in our retirement. Amanda's going to be a dog breeder in her <laughs> retirement. Um, yeah, we, we are being really good missionaries. Santa Cruz missionaries, uh, this is a thing that I don't think we really realised until we moved here because, you know, it's a much bigger scene than in Trinidad. But um, yeah, they take uh, furlough periods and summer slash winter getaways and plans for that very seriously uh, and pet swapping uh, and scratching each other's backs in that regard is a thing. And uh, Well, it's a necessary thing. Yeah. So, to cut a long story short, uh, some friends of ours took Napoleon for us when we went to Canada, at very short notice, I have to say, and we now have uh, their dog, Jack. And he's um, settling in really well. Mm-hmm. Napoleon spent a couple days, overly excited, exerting his dominance on a larger dog, refused to eat because he was so excited, but we're settling now. Yeah, we're, we're okay. Um, anyway... We've been talking, I guess, the last few pods about these kind of cultural differences, that sort of thing. We thought we'd maybe just put that to the side for the moment. Maybe it's something we can come back to at a later juncture. Um, But we thought we'd cover another angle of missionary living. And this is an area that we can't really do justice to in 10 or 15 minutes. uh, But we'll do our best. This is the area of mental well-being uh, on the mission field. And I guess maybe... Uh, some people maybe have the idea that maybe as missionaries, uh, I don't know, we're kind of extra strength Christians, extra resilient Christians because we're far from home. We live in all these crazy climates, so these different countries with different languages and all these kind of things. Um, but we're just as vulnerable as anyone else, right? Yeah, absolutely. I don't think there's anything that um, means that we're uh, immune from mental stressors and things that cause um, extra um, mental pressure. If anything, I think the mission field can be a place where we experience extra um, pressures and stressors in our lives, just the concept of living so far away from what's familiar to us, Mm. um, living far away from our coping mechanisms. The whole concept of culture shock is something that I work through with the volunteers when they come out. Um, and I think sometimes people think culture shock is when you experience something and the, in the culture that's very different from what you're used to and you're shocked. But that's not actually what culture shock is. I mean, when you learn new things about the culture and have to learn to incorporate that and, and understand it, that is definitely part of embracing a culture. But culture shock is when... Um, you are in a new place and you no longer have access to the coping mechanisms that you are used to um, using in your home environment. So um, I just actually did training um, 
with um, someone this week and we went through this um, concept is that, you know, you, for someone, for example, who swims every morning to be able to kind of process and, and build up their mental fortitude for the day to be able to be in a good place to face all their challenges. All of a sudden, when you come out to the field and maybe you're in a place where there is no swimming pool, what do you do? Or the rivers have sharks in them. Or the, well, we'll yeah. go with alligators because yeah, okay. sharks that, don't, we're used to that. Yeah. don't live in rivers, but, um, <laughs> that's a fair point. <laughs> maybe there are some fresh mm. river sharks. Maybe yep. we should watch more octonauts. Definitely. Um, but yeah, or, or actually living in the time of the pandemic has actually been very much related to experiencing culture shock. Because what happens is when you are living in culture shock, you are making more decisions than normal. When you're living in a familiar environment, so many decisions that we make are subconscious. I need to get from point A to point B. How do I do that? And you don't actually have to think about it. I get on this bus and this bus goes this way and I just know that I need to have exact change and I know how to signal the driver to tell the driver to let me off here and all this kind of stuff. And so those decisions that you're making are subconscious. They're not planned ahead of time. But when you go to a new place, all of a sudden you're making decisions on a more conscious level um, that you would have been making subconsciously. And that takes energy. It's exhausting. It is exhausting. Mm. Um, And so that, and then having that extra exhaustion plus language exhaustion, and then not having the coping mechanisms that you would have used back home, Mm. that is culture shock. Yeah. And that is a large mental stressor, stressor. And it is not something that just goes away after three months or six months, you can be experiencing stressors like that for years before you mm. figure out how to um, develop new coping mechanisms. For sure. And I mean, I think we've said it, you know, fairly recently. It's only really been in the last uh, few years that I think we've begun to feel like Bolivia is home in many ways for us. And I think it's it's taken us that long, perhaps, to to properly adjust to the culture here. And even then, we still miss... Uh, aspects of our own cultures um, I know yeah just being among our kind of tribe or not not even just family but friends the uh, very different ways of, of thinking and approaching things yeah that, these are things uh, that we can kind of miss um, so yeah but the good news the good news in all this is that missions are increasingly aware I think of these things uh, more so than they were before certainly from our experience that the two missions that uh, that we are part of are devoting more time, energy, resources uh, to this. The whole area of, I guess, what we, what is called member care. Uh, it's a huge thing. We've talked about it in the pod before. Yeah, I mean, we have really benefited from um, this increased focus on member care. And then our experience through burnout from not having proper care around us beforehand um, has really taught us about the importance of member care. Mm. Um for example, one of the things that our mission did um, was after a year of the pandemic, they paid for every single member of the organization to receive um, a full COVID debrief with a professional mm-hmm. to kind of evaluate how we're all coping, whether on the field or off the field, um, with ministry uh, in the time of, of COVID. And I can't even begin to tell you how valuable I found my session with um, a professional psychologist who specialized in cross-cultural work 
um, to be able to just kind of verbal diarrhea vent all my issues on this person. And then they came back and said, right, it looks tough. You're definitely in survival mode and that is okay. But I don't see any red flags was such a relief to me because I was starting to worry if I was cracking and to have a professional say, you're not cracking. There are no red flags was a huge relief. Yeah, um, and our mission Latin link when we get together for conferences and retreats, uh, this is really a big focus every time now. Uh, there's at least one session devoted to this, uh, whether it be an area like resiliency, which is a, a kind of growing area right now, uh, which is so important. Um, so, so yeah, we are we're really grateful to be part of two missions that are that are doing that, but we're we're aware that it's a wider thing as well. Yeah, I think that. Um it is really important to always be self-evaluating and analyzing how you're doing um, mentally and emotionally. And mm. it all connects together spiritually and physically. It is one giant um, loop, you know, how, how we're relating to God can affect how we're feeling emotionally, emotionally and mentally. And increased stress, if we're carrying things, can come out physically. I hurt a lot when I'm stressed I just Mm. and then the body just starts carrying it um and yeah these are things that we need to constantly be analyzing to kind of see where we are you can't just push past them and ignore them yeah um we have to deal with them I remember we got to stage um in our time in Trinidad where I guess we were beginning to feel more of the pressures and stresses of living there um, and maybe the very initial thoughts about perhaps uh, doing something very different. Uh, and I remember uh, we sat down with a, a couple who are good friends of ours. It was actually the first time we'd met them. They've become uh, very good friends of ours. Uh, but they said to us, you know, instead of thinking about leaving or doing something completely different, why don't you start thinking about what are the things that you can be doing uh, or that you need uh, to be able to be doing or to be receiving uh, in your life in order to be able to stay because of of course the the huge costs uh, of recruiting another missionary uh, in our case it took like 18 months to raise support and that was that was relatively short I think and all that kind of thing it's a huge overhaul so if people on the field can be getting that kind of input uh, it's a massive thing yeah the question of you know what do you need to do to be able to stay and in our mm. case we were getting out of Trinidad at that time once every six weeks. Mm. And we said we need to get out more often. Mm. And we changed it to one in three, one in four was kind of the plan because we needed the extra just to get the weekend mm-hmm. um, away. Um, helped a lot. And it was asking hard questions like that. Yeah. Another thing that we have to work through and is kind of an, an ever present in a way in our lives as a family um, is obviously that Amanda uh, can struggle with certain issues around mental health specifically, right? Yeah. Um, this is kind of something that I have been wanting to share for a while um, and, and think it's a great topic for discussion um, is mental health on the mission field. Um, mental well-being is important for everyone, um, but some people obviously um have to handle things a step further than that and and deal with mental health issues and um on the mission field and so yeah i um was diagnosed in university with um pmdd which is premenstrual dysphoric disorder which is essentially instead of just being very 
cranky and PMSy around my period, I can get extreme anxiety and depression that's um, cyclical. So that's been my life, having it diagnosed in university. Um, and it is extremely agitated by change and transition. So moving out to the field for the first time. Every time we go back and forth on furlough, mm-hmm. um, obviously adopting Sam, changing locations, all these things really um, upset that, causing the anxiety and the depression to be um, worse at times because of these things. And then the pandemic has actually been a huge stressor for it, not in the sense that I am anxious about getting COVID, um, but just the uncertainty of life and the constantly changing restrictions and the constantly changing travel um, limitations has caused um, my anxiety to be uh, significantly more unstable in mm. the last 18 months. Yeah, it's been elevated. Uh, and it doesn't actually have to do with COVID. It just is high. Um, mm. And one of the things that I did at um, in February, March, uh, or yeah, I joined a support group. It was a mini support group. It was like eight sessions, 10 sessions of other women on the field with anxiety and depression. And I can't tell you how encouraging it was. And it also really um, kind of cemented my belief that it is possible to be on the field um, with mental health um, struggles. I am not a professional. (laughs) I am not stating something that is completely um, fact. I think the way I think about it is like, can you be on the field with heart condition with a heart condition and the answer is well are we talking about high blood pressure or are we talking about congestive heart failure are you going to be living in the jungle or are you going to be in a city with access to medical facilities so i kind of view mental health the same as that you know are we talking about something that you understand well and you know how to um, manage yourself uh, do you have access to healthcare professionals that can help you or is it unstable and something that needs closer eye can you get that where you are so um, yeah there's lots of questions and I'm not saying anything um, as fact or completely firm I just know from my experience yeah exactly from my experience mm-hmm. um, that people who struggle with mental health illness shouldn't ever feel that they are less useful Hmm. in ministry or in missions because you're not. Yep. And you found real strength in numbers and in, in joining that group, wonderfully named Velvet Ashes. Great well, for the group. <laughs> Velvet Ashes is the name of the organization and the website that is for supporting women in cross-cultural ministry. Hmm. So it's a lot broader than just mental health. Um, but I joined a specific support group that was mental health um, focused. Yeah. So no man is an island. We, we all need support from others. Uh, and that, that's a huge factor as well, isn't it? And it's been great to see Amanda be able to, t- uh, to tap into that. Um, we're so thankful for that as a family. Is there anything else we want to say about this issue? Or Well, I think there's loads. Well, so <laughs> there are volumes. I could talk forever. Mm. Um, no, I think that it is a really broad topic, both topics, mental well-being on the mission field and also mental health on the mission field are two extremely broad topics and we're just touching on them because we feel strongly about them right now. Um, but I would encourage anyone who has any questions um, to write to us or if they want us to expand on something in a future episode, um, let us know. 
Um, or if you completely disagree, of course, let us know as well. Um, but yeah, just feel free to continue the discussion on these very large topics. Because it's good to talk. It's extremely, it's extremely important to talk. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's, it's no mere cliche. Okay. Well, let's move on with our prayer points. So, um, here we are. It's mid-July. We're about now, I think we're just past the halfway point in terms of the school vacation period. Not that I've been counting. Uh, I just want to stress. Uh, but yeah, it's been uh, an interesting few weeks so far. Yeah, we've been trying to keep Sam busy, so he's continued in swimming lessons. We've also started family therapy for Sam to help and him. Us. And us. And us. Yeah. Craig is <laughs> Family is the key word. Yes, Craig is surprisingly, was finding it surprisingly helpful. What do you mean uh, surprisingly? Well, we are going for our child to help him develop emotional control issues, but mm. I think every session we left, Craig has been really impressed and wanting to emulate our psychologist. He's such a lovely, gentle man. He, he is a true gentleman, uh, just as, as I aspire to be. Roher, great guy. Great guy. We've been really, really impressed with him and have been really happy to find a Bolivian psychologist who is very much up to date on things like attachment theory and um, working with adopted and, and trauma background children um, and has set out a really um, helpful plan going forward, you know, talking about helping to decrease Sam's anxiety levels and then when he feels less anxious, being able to move forward with emotional control training. Um, he is already trying to deep breathe just, and we talk about, remember what Rahir says, Rahir says we should try. I actually said to him in the car one day, mommy's really struggling with this traffic right now, Sam. So I need you to, to just be quiet a little bit. And he's like, mommy, remember what Rahir said? Rahir said, you have to calm down. So, you know, that's good. It's working for you too. Apparently we're all getting something out of this. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're just... You know, it's um, it's one of these things, I guess, in many ways we're busier now because he's not, he's got less structure in his life with less school. Uh, so we're just trying to uh, find creative ways to keep him busy. There's actually a new, there's a new family moved in and into the kind of missionary community. So we've met with them a couple of times who have kids. Uh, we're trying to find other ways to do play dates uh, with different people as well. Um, and we've been away, we went away for a couple of nights to one of our favourite places called Refugio Los Volcanes. There's some pictures of that on the blog, uh, which you'll like seeing. We had a great time there. Uh, Sam just absolutely adores being there in, in all the nature. Uh, there's just a completely unspoilt place. Well, unspoilt apart from the fact there's an echo lodge in the middle of it. But, you know, it's an echo lodge. It's, uh, you know, it's green enough, I guess. Um, and yeah, we're just looking to, to try and make the most of our time and yeah, get as much family time as we can together. We're, we're also trying to tackle reading before going into grade mm. one. Um, that's going relatively well. Yeah. I think he's making progress. Mm -hmm. He's definitely making progress. And I think it's cool to see him read more. But he not he's not necessarily enjoying it. <laughs> he's not like, ooh, reading is fun. Let's read more. <laughs> Yeah. Which is a shame because we're both such big readers. <laughs> I know. I think I think both of us at that age were, were getting right into books, weren't we? Then there were less distractions, I suppose. Fewer distractions. Sorry, that was me. Uh, that wasn't very good grammar there, considering I, I'm supposedly a big reader. Yeah. 
Um, so there's that. Uh, what else? What else? What else? Well, he he graduated from uh, from school. I guess that was around the time we recorded our last podcast. That was looming. Um, so so yeah, obviously he sorry graduated from kindergarten. Not not that that's any less important. Just want to stress, especially for any kindergarten teachers out there, or parents of any kindergartners, uh, your achievement is is supreme. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Oh no! No, believe me, we we really do empathise, and but we we're really proud of him for that. Um, and yeah, what else have we been up to? Oh, church has been, you know, uh, up and down like a yo-yo, or in and out, as a, a I guess is more the term. Just with um, the third wave, the third wave, which is beginning to kind of level off now, it's beginning to to slow down. We've been back the last couple of weeks, but for about a month before that, we were back into virtual church. Uh, it's just impossible for even us to keep track of everything that's going on. We have got our first vaccinations though, right? Yeah, we are both vaccinated mm-hmm. with the Chinese Sinopharm. Mm-hmm. Um, Sinopharm. Craig goes back on Friday for his second shot and I mm. go next Monday for my second shot. I have to say, it did feel quite momentous. I went with a friend and we were commenting about how, like, you know, this was a big moment in history. (laughs) We got our COVID shots. I was especially thrilled because the way they'd organized it was you had to go based on the number of your ID card. Uh, And so for me, it was going to be like the week after, but I decided to do a bit of research, going to one place that I thought might have the vaccines that we wanted. Uh, and it was a cold, wet, windy day. Perfect for a Scotsman, horrible for Bolivians. I think there were about three men and their dog there. Uh, and so they just saw me straight away. They said, you know what, forget about your ID card number, just come straight in, get vaccinated. And I did. And I think it took me longer to sit in the sort of obligatory waiting area after you get it to check you haven't fainted than it did to actually queue up and get the vaccine, which in Bolivia is absolutely extraordinary. Because, my goodness, do they love queues here. They do. My goodness. Some of the stories we've heard from friends waiting seven hours to get their vaccine. Because it's not by appointment here. People can't call a number. People don't have internet access to register online. You go up and you get in line. And so some people waited seven hours for theirs. But um, thankfully, the day I went as well was a very cold day. Mm. Um, And we didn't go through as quick as Craig, but it was completely streamlined. I think I was waiting five minutes before I started the process. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then we got to sit and listen to like this 10-minute lecture of what you can and cannot do after getting vaccinated. Supposedly. And I was told I wasn't allowed to have any alcohol for 21 days, and then I was to come back for my next jab, and then you would not be able to drink alcohol for 21 days, which means that you know you really can't drink for 42 days. Um, not that that would be an Which issue is for me. Well, that's exactly it. It's yes. not like that's a problem for me. But um, I was like, I wonder if anyone else in the world is getting this advice because I have not heard this. Yes, and and part of me, I guess, uh, I guess it's kind of gallows humor. But part of me was wondering if this is a reason why uh, Bolivia's vaccination rates are still not that high. Obviously, they're they're going by age, as in other countries, so they've gone down uh, from essentially elder elderly people down to now. Well, that was 30s, but basically anyone can now get it. And only 30% of people have had uh, the first dose so far. Well, that's 30% of, of vaccinable people, I suppose, have had it. 
Um, so yeah, there's. I think Bolivia has some way to go before any semblance of herd immunity can be can be achieved. Yes. So that was exciting. That was exciting. Yeah, it was. I guess it was uh, kind of cool to be a part of that in some <laughs> way. Um, what else, Amanda? Um, we've talked oh, sometime in the dim and distant past. You may remember us talking about Marie Bell. Uh, she is due to go to, uh, speaking of places that are cold and wet and rainy, wet and rainy, what am I talking about? But speaking of places that are cold and wet, Manchester, uh, she's due to go there. She's been due to go there now for 18 months or so, but she's finally now on the verge. And Amanda's helping her get there. Yeah, I mean, I have a small part in the process to kind of help um, get her ready to go. Um, so yeah, we did some training on Monday and she's coming by on Friday because she needs to apply for a UK visa. Mm. Um, and Craig is the man most adept in our team, Latin Link team, to handle UK visa applications because he's done it three times on behalf of Sam. No one mm. else has really had to do it. Um, yes. this, this was some time ago. I, I genuinely have zero recollection of the process, but hey... We'll see how it goes. It'll be amazing. It'll be fine. Yeah. Um, obviously, um, all these applications are not guaranteed until you actually get the yes. So her um, incoming mission placement in the UK, um, in Manchester, is dependent on her visa. Um, but we are at the point where we are attempting a visa right now. After 18 months of having to push it off. That's right. Because of a global crisis. Yeah. So she's excited. We're excited for her. Um, and yeah. So pray, pray for everything going into that. Pray that Maribel gets there. Mm-hmm. Uh, pray that that all works out smoothly. Pray for Amanda as she works through that. Pray for us as a family as we uh, continue to navigate school holiday period. Uh, we're going to go for a short break to Sucre uh, in a couple of weeks with some good friends of ours. So... Uh, yeah, that'll be a good rest. But keep, keep praying for Sam, things like his his reading and stuff like that, that he'd be ready for first grade, which is beginning in, I guess, about five weeks' time or so, around around the sort yeah, of 15th weeks. of August or so. Um, yeah, 17th is orientation, 19th is there first day of classes. 17th and 19th, okay. There you go. And I don't know if we've kind of mentioned this, but it's due to be hybrid learning. So at the very least... Um, I, I'm not doing cartwheels right now or anything. At the very least, he will be in school for two days a week. Uh, but it's probably, in his case, going to be four. We're not sure about that yet. but yeah. It depends yeah. on class sizes and how yeah. many parents sign their kids up to send them back to class because mm. they have a cap because of biosecurity about how many kids they can let into the physical classroom. Mm. So it depends on... Yeah, how other parents are feeling. We will definitely be ticking the box, sending him back in person. Yes. That's done and done. Slash disposing of him. (laughs) Yeah, so, uh, yeah, but hopefully we'll have another pod out of the way before that. But (laughs) based on our record uh, recently, who knows? (laughs) Um, I think that's just about all. Oh, one final great thing that's happened in the last um, few weeks slash couple of months is we had our live event, which we had billed last time. Uh, we had that, I think it was the, the first Monday in June, and we had that at sort of uh, 7.30pm UK time. Uh, we actually get quite a decent number of people from, from the US and Canada, despite uh, the time zone issues, but 
we did get a few people contacting us saying, you know, it'd be great if we could do uh, that at a time that's more conducive to us here in Canada or the USA. So uh, our next time is going to be on the Monday, the 2nd of August, I believe, at 8 p.m., or if you like, 1 a.m. UK time, uh, if you wish to join us in the UK, if you've got uh, real big trouble sleeping at night. Uh, but yeah, we had a good time with prayer, uh, lots of really great questions from, from our friends, just about, about what we're up to, but also some of, the, some of these questions that I think we forget about, about where we live and what a unique place it is and all that kind of thing, and, and what it's like to be a missionary. Uh, so that was cool. And it was just so good to, to see all these people again. Yeah, it was a huge encouragement for us. It really to was. To see faces um, of people that we haven't got to see in a really long time. So mm. we would love to organize something like this for um, the Canadians and Americans in our lives. Um, if you would like to um, be involved, yeah, an email will go out closer to the time with a Zoom link. And we would love to see you and bring questions or um, just if you want to share something and we will have a time of sharing and an update and then we would love people to pray for us. Yeah, please do. We really appreciate your prayers, uh, whether at these live events or of course um, throughout your day-to-day lives as we know so many of you do and we're, uh, we're so appreciative of that. So thanks for listening today um and yeah we shall see people i guess on the second uh and hopefully soon another podcast episode bye everyone take care bye bye for more information on ourselves or our ministry please visit our website at cramandaham.blogspot.com thanks for listening and see you next time on lost cunningham